Raising Radicals. Uh, this is episode number four. And uh, today it's going to be about superficially engaging and charming behaviors with rad. Um, so to start, I want to apologize for the last episode. Uh, I feel terrible because it was really rushed due to, you know, the schedule changes of Thanksgiving break and my time for working on the content was limited. So please forgive me. I don't think I gave myself enough time, you know, once a week to do these, but I'm trying to stay on top of it. <clears throat> All right, so today's topic, I want to talk about the rad symptom of being superficially engaging and charming. Has your radical behaved oppositionally, angry, or destructively when you are alone or when you're home? And then the moment a stranger or a family member or a friend is present, their behavior changes. Suddenly they have perfect manners, they want to hug or love on you, or they go out of their way to be helpful. Well, this is a vague example of how a radical can be superficially engaging and charming. So towards their primary caregiver, usually the mother, radicals are defiant, disrespectful, manipulative, and possibly aggressive. But to others, especially people who are not around the radical constantly, they have manners, they're respectful and helpful and caring. Essentially, they turn into perfect little angels. Um, so, this is important to be talking about. And I'll warn you now, this is one that I'm kind of iffy about on how it's addressed. So, fair warning. Um, but anyway, so this behavior is highly damaging because it sets the caregiver up to be unbelievable. This facade creates a perception uh, in outsiders that the radical is innocent and well-behaved. And in reality, this is a defense mechanism. It's a blockage to the outsider because this outsider is not allowed to see the broken, scared parts of the child. Uh, maybe also this was a behavior that they used to uh, get their needs met in an environment where they had to manipulate people to, you know, get food or whatever. Um, so, however, these behaviors set the stage for the caregiver when it comes to getting help. Nobody believes the adult essentially. These parents are perceived as overly negative, lacking in parenting skills, um, maybe having an authoritarian parenting style, and in general just being too hard on these kids. Uh, and, and the caregiver is blamed, but the needs of the child are ignored. That puts the burden of proof on this caregiver to somehow convince others that their child is experiencing something that causes them to behave in insane ways and unfortunately 
it may already be too late because these outsiders have allowed themselves to be manipulated by a child. Um, and then a caregiver pushing the issue only seems unreasonable in the outsider's eyes. Um, I experienced this when I was trying to get any kind of diagnosis for my child because I knew what I was seeing at home and what I was experiencing, but um, like in previous episodes, I was met with, um, you know, like, maybe you should have counseling yourself, or, you know, what's your parenting style like, or um, what else did I get? Uh, just stuff al along those lines, and it's really frustrating because... I know something is going on with my child, but because she won't show it around anyone else, I look like a crazy person. <laughs> but I know I'm not a crazy person. So, um, I mean, and this can happen between friends and family as well. Uh, I've lost a good amount of friends because people thought I was being too hard on my child or I wasn't, you know, doing certain things like, you know, spending enough time, which like on one hand, I was a single working mom just doing my best to survive. Um, but I was meeting her needs every other way. And like, I didn't have any idea what was going on with my kid, but I knew something was happening but everybody blamed me for it. I have lots of friends who had blamed me for it. Um, which kind of sucks. Like, you know, we need to not be so circumstantial or, you know, situational like that. Especially with, um, you know, moms. We're all just trying to do our best, and it's one thing to, like, have a concern and then another thing to just, like, flat-out blame others for their kids' behavior. Um, because you never know what's going on, right? Anyway, sorry, that was my little tangent. Uh, so, these types of behaviors have the t uh, potential to create tension within your relationships as a caregiver, right? Um, these tensions could happen between wife and husband, parents and grandparents, friends and professionals, pretty much anybody who's close to you. Uh, if they don't see what you're seeing and you're trying to get help for it or vent about it, they're not going to understand because they've only seen this you know, innocent, cute, wonderful little child. And you know that that's just not the reality of it 24-7. So, um, you know, unfortunately, it's not uncommon for these children to be better behaved with dad um, than they are with mom. 
I mean, and that example can go towards other types of relationships, too. Um, you know, there's always going to be one person, the primary caregiver, that is going to be um, targeted by, by the radical. Um, and a lot of the time it's going to be the one that shows the most mother figure in their relationship. <clears throat> so whether it's two moms or two dads or mom and dad, Whoever the mom is in the relationship to the child is going to be the one that is targeted with these behaviors. So, um, yeah, so, uh, so, you know, it's not uncommon that children behave better with dad than they do with mom, so much so that when mom tries to get dad's support, he doesn't see what she sees or experience what she experiences and so the parental force is ruptured um, there's a split and that leaves an opening for the child to triangulate even further which is damaging because these children absolutely need to have a uh, two-parent uh, you know force if there are two parents in the home they need to be you know, the line of force. They do not separate. They are a team. And the less that the radical can triangulate one or the other, the better um, for the whole family and as well for them. We don't want to encourage triangulation because that's damaging in its own. I won't get into that now. Uh, maybe I will. I don't know. Uh, so also it's not uncommon for grandparents to see a wonderfully behaved child um, and they refuse to support the parents in raising the child with a different parenting style than what they used to. Again, leaving an opening for the child to manipulate against mom. Um, I've heard of, you know, parents seeing these children and either these children behave you know extremely well every time they're around grandma or grandpa but then the moment they get with mom it's a you know huge thing and the grandparents see that as as the mom's fault like well you're coddling him or her or you're being too strict and they're rebelling or you know whatever whatever the thing is um, or sometimes the grandparents even will see that the child is misbehaving um, but they still blame the parents for it for one reason or another instead of you know trying to see what it is truly um, that attachment you know, it, it, the lack of attachment begets, is that the word? A lack of attachment. Like, when kids are unattached, it takes so much to try to attach to them because all they know is being unattached. So trying to encourage the attachment causes more issues, if that makes any sense. Um, 
If you are a rad caregiver, I am sure you have experienced trying to, you know, attach to your child or connect with your child and they don't want to. They want to deep down, but they don't know how, so that is scary and so they sabotage it. Sorry, another tangent. I will try not to, to keep going off subject. Um, is it really off subject though, since all of these connect anyway? Who knows? I'll let you guys judge that. Anyway, uh, so, um, yeah, just in general, this has, this behavior particularly can cause a lot of problems. I feel this behavior ties into um, the symptom of triangulation um, because as a parent, when you're trying to just like survive having this kid who constantly pokes at you, you know, trying to irritate you or frustrate you or make you react, and you're doing everything you can to remain calm, maybe you're losing your shit. I don't judge you. I've lost my shit because I can't have my buttons pushed day in and day out for days and years at a time. <laughs> um, but regardless, this behavior hurts. You know, we, we want to connect with our, our radicals. We want to attach to them. And the fact that they will be so difficult and, you know, essentially not fun um, when we're, when it's just us. But then the moment somebody else comes in and it's like a completely different kid and they're being so nice, it stings. It hurts. It's like, dude, why don't I get like five minutes of that? That would be cool. <laughs> I would appreciate just a tiny little bit of that. Um, so, yeah, like I think this is probably one of the most frustrating um, behaviors when it or symptoms when it comes to rad. Um, just because as their caregiver, we know that that's not how they behave all the time. I mean, and every kid obviously has their moments, like that's, but that's a completely different thing. This is like, why can't you just be kind to me? the person who cares for you and loves you and literally does everything for you, all I'm asking is for, you know, a little bit of respect. Um, so this can also, you know, drive a wedge if, if it's allowed um, between the, the caregiver and the radical. And that's also damaging. Um, yeah, so I feel this is, this next thing I'm about to say is also extremely important. <clears throat> now I'm going to note, like, I when I go to the doctor, whether it's for me or whether it's for my child, 
I operate as like, yes, they are the professional, but you work for me. Um, I know my child best. I know what is best. Like, I am coming to the doctor for suggestions and for resources, but I am the one who has the final say on what happens, right? So, um, because doctors and some other professionals may have trouble seeing your concerns at first, I think it's very important to try to keep a record of behaviors to show how frequently they occur. I always go to my radicals doctor's appointments with a book or two in hand, with a written out plan that lays out my concerns, her needs, and why, and I use the books for reference. Um, I learned a saying as my days, or sorry, in my days as a case manager, and it's, if it's not been documented, then it didn't happen. So I feel many doctors um, operate when it comes to behaviors. They operate on, um, you know, if we don't have data for it, we're not quite sure what happened. Like we don't, we're not sure that this is what mom or dad or whatever is, is saying to us. But if you are recording as best as you can the incidence or um, just the frequency of certain behaviors, it's harder for them to ignore, honestly, because um, they have the data. It's right there in front of them. And if you have books to reference what you're talking about, um, so any of the books that I mentioned in the last episode, would be a great reference um, for like look my kid is like nine out of ten times um, is pretending to be one way when in reality they're another way um, and this book right here says that that is a symptom um, you know so so doing your research is, and doing the work, even though being a rad caregiver is hard and frustrating, it really does pay off when it comes to getting them their support. Because if not, then you're definitely going to look like, you know, you're tired and stressed and you need a different kind of help and the support is just going to be harder to get. I feel. Um, so another way that this behavior can arise, and I'm thinking about this off the top of my head, so if I get jumbled, I apologize, um, is they can be superficially engaging with you as well. Um, so you may be at home and you know, randomly all of a sudden they're, you know, wanting a hug or, you know, offering to do something for you and then suddenly they're demanding something. <laughs> 
At least that's what mine does. Mine, um, you know, if she wants something, oh man, can she be the sweetest, most cuddly love bug ever. And <clears throat> it's also frustrating because I know I am being manipulated. It took me a long time to learn that I was being manipulated. Um, and this ended up translating <clears throat> into other, like other situations. So all of a sudden, you know, I'm out with friends and we're at the park or, you know, we're somewhere. And if my radical wants something, all of a sudden she's super lovey. I know what's happening. I know I'm about to be manipulated or she's attempting to manipulate me. So maybe I don't accept her hugs or her kisses. Um, and you know, then I look kind of like a bitchy mom. Like what mom doesn't want their kids hugs and kisses? Um, well me, if I'm about to be, you know, played like a fool. So, you know, it, that's another way that this behavior, <clears throat> you know, sets us up to look bad is, you know, if we're in front of people and they start trying to weasel us, we have to put our, like, we have to put our foot down or we have to have our boundaries and, um, you know, sometimes other parents who are not in this situation think that we're being cold or um, rude and it sucks. It sucks because you can't always explain what's happening, <clears throat> especially in front of the child. You should never explain anything in front of the child um, unless they know that they have this disorder, but uh, I believe <clears throat> age appropriately that's not until, you know, they're, they're about preteen teenagers, but I'm not sure. Um, but I know that when I uh, deny my child's apparent love in front of others, it definitely makes me look odd. <laughs> um, so yeah. Okay, so here's where... I might be a little bit wishy-washy on how I personally address this behavior. Um, so I just talked about how if I'm the one that she's superficially engaging with or being charming with that I don't allow it, um, I set up a boundary. So the way that I wrote this is, um, so addressing this behavior for when it's occurring towards others, outsiders. Um, and please remember all of this is just me as a mom dealing with a radical for seven years. I am not a professional. These are all just my experiences and my tactics I you know I don't 
want anyone to think I am an expert on this at all. So with that disclaimer being said, um, what do we do when this behavior arises? Because talking to them about it is not the best idea simply because they most likely do not have the self-awareness to even realize they are doing it. Um, and honestly, talking to them about it in the moment might be, uh, it might set you up again because they're kids and usually kids are not, um, they don't operate on this let's piss off mom by hurting her feelings kind of thing. Um, so we don't want to talk to them about it. And so what I do is I try to hold these air quotes positive moments. Um, the ones where they're behaving kindly towards others. I hold these as learning experiences uh, for myself. We, uh, so when this is happening, we can take note of things like who causes these behaviors to arise? Is it a certain family member, a friend? Um, you know, how often do these activating people come around your radical? Does this behavior occur more around males, females, or is it equally split? How long have these people been in your radicals' lives? Um, and then how are they around strangers? So in my opinion, this is an important thing to notice due to the possibility of an inappropriate interaction. Um, monitoring is always the key at least for me. So the more you know when these behaviors arise, the better you can prepare yourself. Um, so if you know, like, okay, when you know, my best friend Jill comes around, then, you know, she, my, my radical is going to start behaving like a fake, um, you can, you can prepare yourself. Um, okay, grandma and grandpa are coming over. I need to be prepared to, you know, parent the way I need to parent and possibly make them upset because they're not going to see the behavior the way I see it. Um, so the more you know, the better you can prepare yourself. And for the record, I know how tedious and annoying it is to track behaviors. Sometimes it f it's forgotten. We, we forget to do it. Or sometime we, sometimes we don't write it down. And just the whole thing is tedious. I totally get it. Um, but I do suggest trying to do this for yourself. Because the more you can get into your radical's head, the better. Um, and like I've said previous, if it's not recorded, it didn't happen. Um, documentation will be your friend. Um, so you're not always going to understand your radicals behaviors and their logic, but you can 
become aware of the things that they are not aware of and be a step ahead of them. And that's like probably the best way to put it of um, the more you know them, the easier it is for you to not be you know, manipulated or triangulated or whatever it is that they're trying to do, you're just more prepared. It makes it harder for them if you know more about them than they do, if that makes any sense. So, um, again, I'm not a professional, just sharing my rad mom experiences. And uh, so this is how I usually address the superficially and engaging, um, wow, I can't talk, the superficially engaging and charming behavior towards others. I personally do not think it is realistic or very productive to always address this particular behavior because first off, we all share the version of ourselves that we feel comfortable showing to others. And I believe that respecting the child's choice to be kind and helpful to others in the presence of people they aren't exactly comfortable with is a way to show them that their boundaries matter. Um, even though this behavior can hurt our feelings because we aren't always treated kindly, I truly believe letting them have this boundary is important. Um, with that being said, if your radical is not physically harming others, trying to have an inappropriate interaction or any other safety concern, I personally let it go. Um, because what am I going to do? Call out a seven-year-old and be like, wow, you were really, you know, being rude to me at the house, but then you come here and you're being so nice to Bob or whatever. Like, that's not... One, that's not going to make sense in their brain and because they probably don't know that's what they're doing. And two, that's just setting yourself up to look like a nut job, pretty much. Um, you're getting jealous of your child's behavior. <laughs> and nobody takes that well. Um, so, um, what I do highly suggest is monitoring their interactions with others, especially strangers. So when my radical is interacting with others, um, especially those who have displayed their inability to understand this diagnosis, pardon me, I, ex um, I ensure I am close by to listen for any signs of triangulation or unsafe interactions. Um, remember, you do not have to make anyone feel comfortable. Um, you, especially when it comes to your child, you have a right to be present when they are interacting with others so you can step into a conversation that isn't appropriate or, you know, and stop any behavior that is inappropriate. Um, that is your right as a parent. That is your right as a rad caregiver. If it makes people uncomfortable, I pray that it doesn't cause an issue for you but in reality, it might piss your family off, it might piss your friends off that 
you monitored their interactions with um, with your kid and that's okay um, you're protecting yourself and you're protecting your kid and that's all that matters that's what it comes down to um, so if my radical does start to have an interaction that I am uncomfortable with I tell the other adult that we need a moment and I try to age appropriately inform her that the way that she spoke or behave was not safe for her, for them, or both. A lot of the time she'll tell me that she didn't mean it that way and I have to remind her that outside of her head that is how people would see it. Um, I have this conversation a lot. She'll do something and um, you know I tried to address it and the first thing she tells me is I wasn't trying to or that I didn't mean to and I have to tell her that whether you meant to or not whether there was intention behind it that is what it looked like and she typically understands kind of that um so, uh, lastly, and I will not stress this enough, um, if it is an unsafe, if, it, if an unsafe interaction occurs, you address your child and there is an outburst, if possible, remove yourself from the situation immediately, as best you can. You do not owe any explanations to anyone, and if you feel you do, they can happen later. Radicals losing it in any public space is just a gateway for more harmful behavior to occur and that temptation needs to be taken away from them. Um, if you have a radical, I am sure you have at some point experienced uh, being out somewhere or around certain people and you know, you, you barely set your hand on them or something, you've pissed them off for not, I don't know, giving them a car or whatever, and they are mad at you, and so they start threatening or start yelling like, ow, don't hurt me. Why do you always hurt me? Or something along those lines. Um, that's not cool. That's uh, That's something that can really damage them and you, especially if it is happening in a public place. Uh, because, you know, we always have those people who are like dying to find somebody abusing a child and turn them in, right? So um, if your radical is losing it, and it's not always realistic, but if your radical is losing it, get yourself to a safe spot. Um, so that you can address it between just you two so that way no outsiders um, get roped into their drama because again triangulation and manipulation are their go-to that's how they got their needs met in the past and if you aren't giving them what they want or doing what they want they're going to rope some sucker into feeling bad for them in public and, you know, maybe stepping in 
maybe calling um, the police or, you know, reporting to CPS. Who knows? Who knows? But protect yourself because if you're not there to protect your radical, the cycle is just going to happen all over again, right? And that's what we're trying to prevent. So with all of this being said, it is now the end of my episode. This is a hard one. Um, Everybody is going to handle it differently. I just told you how I handle it, both towards me and towards others. And yeah, I hope you all enjoyed listening to this, and I hope my content was a lot better than last time. I actually had time to work on this this week. So... I am going to sign off. You just listened to Raising Radicals. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and a wonderful week and a wonderful life. All right, goodbye.